Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, interesting topic today, and, and an old friend joining us, Arjun Mehta from 
PFF. He was an intern there last summer, correct? Uh, still interning right now. Still interning. Yeah. All right. Very good. And uh, wrote, a, wrote a very interesting article on off-season preparedness and, and how teams are in good shape relative to the draft and their cap situation. And I want to not steal your thunder. I'll let you explain the metric and how it works, and then I'll have some questions. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start from the top. My one, one of the big things as the season was coming to an end was trying to evaluate which teams are best set up for the off-season um, I think there's definitely a lot of ways you could go about it, but when when you think of okay, what team um, is going to make a splash in the off season, or what teams are going to be spending the most, you think of two things: uh, draft capital and cap space. Um, and I think both of those things on its own do a decent job, but together, I think when you are able to combine the variables in a way um, to cr- to create a, its own metric, I think that can paint a better picture. But that on its own, again, wasn't doing enough justice. So um, leading up to the end of the season, I began posting graphs on my Twitter about uh, like just putting a graph of draft capital and effective cap space. And that seemed to give a decent enough um, way of showing how teams are set up for the offseason. But there are other variables in play that weren't accounted mm-hmm. for that I understood. And there's there's very um, funny uh you know, uh, test cases like the Saints, every single year they're over the cap. You know, they need to find some way to, to, to cut some players or restructure some contracts. So that was another variable that when I was talking with some people at PFF, it was like, we need to account for this. So, and, but people don't really do that. And the, the problem with the national media is like, you want to get clicks, you want to get, you know, um, interactions. So the easy way of portraying the Saints situation is like, Oh, the Saints are 66 mil over the cap. So they're in a terrible offseason situation, but this is how they've structured their team, right? So I'm not here to talk about the Saints. Let me go into my metric. So the official metric, I don't really have a name for it. I just called it the offseason composite score. But really what it is, is trying to show which team has the most offseason resources by combining three variables, draft capital, um, using the Spiel, uh, Spielberger Fitzgerald draft value chart developed by the guys over at Over the Cap. Okay, so flatter evaluation metric than the JJ chart, for example. So it's it's going to put more value on a later round selection. Yeah. All right. I do have some problems with Brad's methodology, but that's okay. It's a, it's, it's a method, and it's yeah. a, it's a, there's a lot of good ones. Spielberger is very flat relative to the other ones, right? Meaning even the Hill and Chase Stewart and those, mm-hmm. are, they're, they're uh, more steep yeah. than Brad's. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, and we'll, I'll get into this when we talk about the Ravens, but that, that's kind of the reason the Ravens have like a decently high percentile in the draft capital area in my um, composite chart um, because, you know, Brad and Jason's uh, Fitzgerald have like a, a less of a steeper uh, or that, like you said, it's a flatter draft value chart. Um, and obviously, since Brad works at PFF, I kind of have to roll with his chart. And I do, and I do like what him and Jason have built over at Over the Cap and what they use at PFF. So, um, yeah, so draft capital, effective cap space and proratable money and proratable money is is the variable I included because I thought that did a good job of explaining how teams could create cap space if they wanted to. Now. Not all three of these variables. Um, sorry, if you wanted to, yeah. Jump the, in. the other point I wanted to make, and and in seeing this, proratable money is great because certainly if you break down contracts into the into the 
um, you know, the, the four components, the proratable money is the most easily moved around within the, within the contract. And uh, folks have been a fan of this show and have seen Dan Reese's charts on the, on the matter know that the, the four components of, of uh, cap that can be moved around, and you've got your purple on there, which is, shouldn't be purple because it's, that's a Ravens color. It's, it's very anti-Ravens that all the money's already been spent a contract that you can't you can't do anything about but the proratable money very good the thing i wanted to ask you about though was about available cuts of value and how you included that yeah well that's that's the problem and that's honestly the problem with just being a public analyst like i i can't account for that because i have no idea what teams are going to make the thing about proratable money is i can calculate that like as you mentioned like we know what type of money can be calculated. So the way I went about doing that in my in my code was just adding up every team's money dedicated to um, roster bonuses and base salaries, adding all of that up and multiplying that by 0.8 because you can convert over 80% of a, a player's roster bonus and base salary into a signing bonus, which is the prorated money. So I can calculate that, but I, it's tough for me to evaluate you know, what players the Ravens are going to cut, right? Like looking at their, their, the players on the roster for 2022, like there's not a lot of players that you could cut and not have dead money. Like I was looking and like one, one name that jumped out was like Jawan James. You, you can cut him and save, right. um, uh, where's you could save, I think it was like 3 million. And mm-hmm. I think um, his, oh, I don't know why I can't find his name, but yeah, 3 million and he only has 250,000 in dead cap. Right. But like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be cut. Like I, I'm not part of the Ravens organization or I don't have contacts there. The same thing with like the Niners, right? Like they're obviously going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't know how that's going to affect their cap. Like what if the Niners pay half his salary and the team they trade him to pays half his salary? Like those are just things I can't, I can't account for it because I don't have a way of accounting for that, if that makes sense. Okay, we'll, we'll get it in the next metric, but it is yeah. something that would be really interesting to look at mm-hmm. because players like Marcus Peters, they certainly have dead money associated with their contract in the last year, but I, I think it, it would be some sort of a work-back method where you, you start with players in the final year of their contract because they're the most cuttable, obviously. Yeah. And you work through to come up with a formulaic method to figure out how much value really exists there relative to what they would have to spend to replace that player. The Ravens do have some players, that's, you know, some strange ones like Ben Powers entering year four, who's probably on the bubble entering camp uh, with an escalator in his salary there. Miles Boykin is in a similar yeah, situation. Yeah. So, you know, they have a couple of players. But yeah. I, want, I want to get back to your metric because it's a very cool idea. Yeah. And I think so. That's that's the other part is like. It's a, it's a new metric. Like I've never seen anyone try to quantify this, or I've guess mm-hmm. I've only been on Twitter for like a year and a half, and I still haven't seen anyone do this. Um, weirdly enough, ESPN uh, released an article the day before I did, and they actually did something very similar to me. They have their own draft value chart, um, and the way they weighted their variables, which is only draft capital and um, effective cap space, they weighted it this, the same way I did. So what they did really? was, yeah. And it, it was interesting. Like I, I've made my work public. Like I actually made the score and posted it to Twitter before I wrote an article about it. So I don't know if they took it for me. I'm, I'm not going to make any assumptions because I'm a big fan of the the work they do there with Brian Burke and, and Seth Walder. But basically the, the way my variables are accounted for is um, in my composite score, I weighted draft capital 
1.5 times the worth of effective cap space. And then I weighted proratable money 0.25 times um, effective cap space. So in order, it was like I gave draft capital 0.6 weight. I gave effective cap space 0.4 weight. And then I gave um, I gave proratable money 0.1. I know it doesn't add up to one, but it's, it's, it's okay. Six, six to four to one is the parts. Of, yeah. Yeah, of exactly. Three. I think the, okay. the 0.6 just makes it easier for me and my code to like understand. So, um, but yeah, it all does the same thing. No matter, it's just the ratio that matters. Um, and it's the percentile ranking that you're working from. Exactly. Yeah. And okay, so, so, so you take yeah. all 32 teams, stack them up, order them. That's all you do. Yeah. And if you're in the middle, you could, there could be a big drop between you and the next guy in terms of cap space, for example, but you'd still be at the 50th percentile or whatever would, would be probably 16 and 17, yeah. I'd say. And then, the, and then the next one would still be 40 something percentile, 45th, whatever it would be. Yeah, exactly. There, uh, I, right. yeah. So like I said, it, there's no, I, I still think there's ways it can be improved. Um, and I'm definitely going to try to update it as free agency goes on, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's like people are going to get cut by late February, early, early March mm-hmm. as we approach free agency. And that's obviously as I, um, and trades are going to happen where picks are involved. Right. So obviously the metric is going to be, um, is going to be changed a little bit by then, but, but yeah, so that was the metric. So, um, draft capital, effective cap space, proratable money in that order. I've had some people like kind of question like, why is draft capital worth a little bit more? Well, the way I look at it and the, the way that um, Brad and I talked about is like draft capital effectively allows you to save cap space because you're giving for players, multiple years. Yeah, multiple years. And you're getting, yeah. you could potentially get good players on very cheap deals. So you kind of want to have more draft capital, something that Ozzy Newsome. And um, Eric DaCosta have prioritized for years. Like ever since I've been following the NFL like closely, I've always noticed they trade back. They value their draft capital because the more picks you have, the more chances you have of hitting on a good player on a cheap deal. And that's why in my metric, even though the Ravens have the 13th highest composite score, they're in the 80th percentile in terms of draft capital, which is if, if that's, if that's the only you know, the variable you're above average or, you know, very good at, I, that's where you want to be. Good thing. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's a good thing. And I, I would, I would ask, first of all, how did you come up with the weightings? Relatively speaking, is it just a finger in the wind kind of thing? Or did you, did you do some study going backwards? Um, yeah, I'll be honest. It's kind of arbitrary. Uh, that it wasn't really, like, really like a good starting point. I mean, I, I did play around with it a little bit, just see like what made sense, what didn't. And I think, the way it the way the it, it came out with the weights I have on right now, I think it I think it worked out a little bit well. And the fact that ESPN kind of used the same thing as me, I'm I think that's a decent enough justification for it. Uh, it's it, I'd be interested to see exactly how they got it. I mean, they might have just kind of figured out what you were doing from this and said, "Oh, our scores looks a lot like Arjun's. I, that's that's I like this this weighting. I I." Uh, I, I all methodologies like this start out with something. And I'd encourage people when they're, when they're creating some new metric or methodology, just go ahead and put your finger in the wind to start with. And you, you always have the ability over a period of time to change these things. Offensive line scoring, I've done the same kind of thing mm-hmm. where, where I just had weights for sacks and quarterback hits that were different. And I tried to you know really value these things relatively. And I make changes over time that, that, have, that have changed the metrics slightly. 
this sounds like a great first step and, and uh, really appreciate it. I think you could do it. You, one thing I would, I would ask is on your percentile rankings, it, does it make sense to make it a percentage of whatever the top score is in terms of say available cap? So if you had 70 million of available cap as number one, then some team that has 7 million of available cap, are they automatically in the 10, you know, do they automatically get a 0.1 for that or do they automatically get some other number? Yeah, that's a good point. I think um, I had a lot of people talk to me about ways to change the metric. Obviously, like I, you know, I respect everyone's opinion and I, I take it into consideration. So, you know, I appreciate any feedback that you're giving right now. And again, like this is this is step one. Like I'm if I can keep on building on this. One of my goals with this metric eventually is or like at some point before free agency starts is like I'm trying to get my hands on some historical data um, salary cap data. And I want to see like, does this predict anything? Like does my off season composite score say that the teams in the top five will finish above their 2021 win total? Like, will the jets, okay. the Jags, mm-hmm. Broncos, chargers, and Bengals, will they be able to finish with a, at least one win over what they finished in the year prior? Because that, yeah, that could, yeah, that could tell a lot. You're be measuring regression, aren't you? Yeah. Because all teams regress to the mean. So if you if you if you win twelve games and you continue to win twelve games, that's a fantastic accomplishment to yeah. keep doing that. If you win two games and you win three games, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and like I, it's probably not something that you use in like pre- like predictive models for for win totals in the following season. Like that's not really why I created it. I think this is more of just you know a cool way to show um, what teams are best set up for the off season, like where your favorite team would rank uh, for this for this off season coming up. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a goal. And I, I'm trying to work towards that right now. Like that's one of my next projects that I'm trying to get to. All right. So let's, let's talk about the 2022 draft in particular. And we obviously had a COVID year in college in 2020, which I think really held back the 2021 draft. A lot of people probably not coming out normally after their third year. And that's true. A lot of, of, uh, small school players in particular where their seasons were completely washed out by the, by COVID. Um, how do you guys feel at PFF? I know the, the, the guide is coming out sometime soon. It might be out now. The draft guide might be out now, but uh, in terms of, of how deep this draft is because of it being a post COVID year. Um, yes, that, that's a great question. I think I, I definitely like tune into a lot of the podcasts that the PFF people have. It doesn't seem like the top of this draft is as strong as in years prior. Like there's no Joe Burrow. There's no Trevor Lawrence, like even Aiden Hutchinson, who goes to the same college as I do, who studies at the same building as I do, isn't getting the same hype as a Chase Young or like a Nick Bosa has in previous years. So mm-hmm. I do think this is like, it seems like it's, it's a slightly weaker draft class. Um, than previous years, especially on the offensive side, just because the quarterbacks aren't as in commodity, just because they aren't that good this year compared to in years prior. But I do think this is a pretty decently, uh, this is a pretty decent defensive draft in terms of the depth. I think you have uh, a lot of edge guys. It seems like the edge prospects are going to be in high demand, or at least in the top 10 with Karloftis, um, Hutchinson and, and Thibodeau. And you obviously, yeah, you have some other guys um, there also, but I think what's, what's curious to me is like last year, it seemed like teams were willing to trade up a little bit more or, and trade like the smarter teams, like the Ravens and, and Rams traded down because 
they knew that last year you didn't have as much tape on prospects as you did this year. And it, it like some people were reporting that teams treated last year as like a, like as you didn't want to draft that many players last year and you wanted to focus on this year because you had more tape, you had more access to people, like more access to players, you know, uh, you have the senior bowl going on as we're recording this right now, the shine bowl just finished up the hula bowl just finished up. And I think, I think that post COVID stuff that we didn't really get to see last year or teams didn't really have a ton of access to last year. I think that's why teams might value their draft picks a little bit more this year. Um, and I think that's why it's good to have a lot of draft capital to play around with. It's always good to have a lot of draft capital to play around with. Yeah. And, you know, one of, one of the things that, that always kind of bothers me is the Ravens trade trade down a lot. But if you do, if you look at metrics of it, they don't really trade down that much in terms of total value. But that's all a function of them never being at the top of the draft. Yeah. And, and people don't I, I think people don't realize this. I know you do, Arjun. I just really try to talk to the, to the, the fans out here. But I mean, the, the, the percentage of the top draft capital that the Ravens have in a typical year might be a third. Uh, it, it, it could be less yeah. than that, but, but, but it might be a third by JJ. It's probably more than that by, by uh, uh, Spielberg or Fitzgerald because, because they're flatter. But still, you know, there's a lot of heaped value in those early quarterback selections, in those early uh, selections in the entire draft. And the Ravens never have one of those. Not anymore, anyway. Um, You know, looked at Ozzie Newsom's early incredible record on defense. Some of that was fueled by always having picks that were in the top 15 or so and uh, and having a great, great record with, with those. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm, I'm interested, interested to see what the Ravens do this year, obviously rank in the 80th percentile with, with uh, some of their draft capital. Um, I'm, I, I, do you guys have a pick from the Orlando Brown trade this year? Or was that only picks? From yeah, last year? Uh, it, 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 no, I don't believe there's a, there's okay. an extra pick left. I could be wrong about that. If it is, it's a lower round pick. Yeah. The main pick was a move up from a two to a one, one last year to, to get, uh, um away away. yeah yeah okay yeah so um if we want to if we want to transition into talking about the you know where the ravens stand in terms of the rest of the afc north um one of one of the most interesting takeaways i had actually from my metric is like there's a ton of takeaways like the top five teams are all from the afc in my metric uh the Bengals are the only playoff team in the top 10 in my metric which is you know and they're in the Super Bowl, which is like crazy. Mm-hmm. But every single AFC North team is in the top 15, like in terms of offseason resources, which right. is like, which is absurd. And obviously there's other things we're not accounting for, like, you know, Big Ben retiring. They're, the Steelers are probably going to get some money from him. And like, you know, that's going to affect their cap. Baker Mayfield, like we have no idea what's going to happen to the Browns quarterback situation, you know, Quezzi is now in Minnesota and he's friends with Andrew Barry. We could see like a Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield swap. There's a ton of stuff that could go and happen prior to the, uh, to free agency starting in the draft. But the fact that all four AFC North teams are in the top 15, it really speaks to like how competitive the division is and why like you can't, it's so hard to put your uh, finger on a certain team on a certain year in that division. Cause you just never right. know how it's going to play out. Yeah. It's, it's one of the really difficult things that I, I, I still don't know about the Bengals, but the Bengals certainly have the resources right now to do some good things. They had a great year in free agency last year, but the Browns, 
turning the franchise around as soon as they hired De Podesta and they and they really got started in terms of it being an analytics team uh, concerned me in terms of of you know creating another competitive force yeah. within the division. It was always nice to have the Browns in the division. I, I, Playing in the AFC South, for example, I can't imagine how nice it would be to a tight, be a Titans or Colts fan yeah. uh, there year after year. Yeah, and and I think so. So the thing with the Bengals, right? Like, there's this narrative I've always I've followed for years. Like, the Bengals are a cheap team. Cheap team. Like, their owner doesn't mm-hmm. like to pay big money. What they do with Jesse Bates to me will really dictate how they approach the offseason. I mean, they got a they got a quarterback. Like, I'm. I'm lower than Burrow than most because I, I don't, I don't really value like leadership and swagger and all that, like as much as other people, because that stuff we can't, we don't really see it now because we don't have media access, but regardless, like he's a top 10 quarterback, but, and like, and team or and players in free agency, they want to go play in a place where they can win. And they like to go play in places where you have a good quarterback. The thing is like, I think Lamar actually gets a lot more respect than the media gives him. And I think players respect, I players respect Lamar. And like, even if the Bengals have a lot of cap space and you know, they, they have a, a guy at quarterback, they got a great offense. Like, I still think the Ravens are, are going to be players in free agency. And like, I think people like, I think players understand how good Lamar is when he's healthy. And I think this was, he just caught the bad side of variance in some games, you know, his receivers. I mean, that receiving room is still not, you know, that great if we're being honest and Lamar was averaging like I forget like I think the Ravens are averaging like 27 points per game or something in the first couple weeks like I'm a Chargers fan and he just absolutely obliterated us on the ground and like the the one thing that stats and analytics have not been able to measure yet is gravity and like the the gravity of what Lamar can do on the ground and how he impacts the running game and the passing game I think players understand that better than than you know what we do because we're just watching it on TV. We're not the one actually playing. Well, I, I I think the PFF has not yet figured out how to roll it into their metrics how Lamar affects all the other players on the field positively. And you know certainly in 2019 it was it was enormously positive. He, yeah. I think he was helping all 22, not just all 11, frankly. <laughs> but 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 it, when you talk about uh, uh, you know then he had injuries in 2020 actually limited how he could move around a groin injury that they really didn't talk about much, but. They didn't use him as the outside threat anymore. They used him in a, as an off-the-middle threat, which has its own you know, problems that go with it. Well, this year, they didn't have an outside threat at running back, yeah. and they were still trying to use Lamar in the middle, and that didn't really work as well. So I, I think we'll see Lamar have a comeback year next year. And, and if, if, the, if they threaten the entire field the way they should with the run game, then the pass game will come back to Providence and be very good. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think – like obviously like it's it's still a little bit early to look t- towards the future but like you know with with betting markets and everything you can kind of see where the public and where vegas gives mm-hmm. credit to for what it's worth the Bengals were just were like we're never given the respect of the betting markets and the way they want they kind of walked into the super bowl isn't i don't think it really indicates like how good they are i think they got a little bit lucky for being honest like as yep. you know this is a ravens podcast so i think it's 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 okay to talk some smack on on the bengals but they just like like if the ravens are not favored to win the division next year i'm like putting money on that like that's i'm confident that the ravens will turn this back around because i think the bengals will see some big regression like the fact that the Ravens stayed competitive with all of the injuries that they had, like our, our own injury metric um, that I think you had whale, right? Whale. Yeah. That you had Tage, Mm -hmm. 
uh, Seth come on, who's a fellow intern and analyst with me. The Ravens, I'm pretty sure were were first in this metric. Let me just let me just double check real quick. But uh, what I want to know is, it was one of the worst since you've been charting it because in the 2015 Ravens were, and and uh, this team could have been close. Uh, yeah, I'm, I I don't have access to the historical data. Okay, yeah, so I'll just say the Ravens were first this year in whale. Mm-hmm. So I think that was obvious, you know, you lose Lamar Peters Humphrey. Like I, we don't even need to go through the injuries, but what Tage found is like injuries aren't stable year to year. And like, they're going to see some heavy, heavy regression back to the mean. And I'm, I'm a big fan in what Harbaugh does to that. I know he trusts his players. He, he collaborates with his players. Like he has that collaborative environment. I think it was yesterday or a day or two ago. I remember reading a report that like, he's already asking Lamar and Mark Andrews, like, Hey, like, do you like the way we did this? Or do you like this exercise or the way we warmed up here? And so, mm-hmm. you know, trying to fold that into some of your off season training activities or your off season work that you do, I think that's going to help them become a more healthier team next year. Realistically, you're not going to get that many injuries on a team again. And on the flip side, the Bengals were one of the healthiest teams in the league this year. Like they, right. none of their guys got hurt and I'm not wishing for anyone to get hurt. Like if, if you ask me, like, I, I just wish the NFL had no injuries, but the it's way, part of the game. yeah, it's part of the game. And the way that we, like we studied how injuries, injuries work, they're not stable year to year. So they, they'll probably see some regression back to the mean in terms of the impact of the injuries that they had. So you, you factor that in. I mean, like, I, I just don't see how you can, how you don't like the Ravens next year in a division where the Steelers don't have an answer at quarterback. The Browns are in, you know, quarterback purgatory and the Bengals are, are a prime aggression candidate just because they overperformed their win total. They, they kind of got lucky in the playoffs. So I think people are going to overrate how good their season was. And that kind of leaves the Ravens in a, in a prime spot to make a splash in free agency. You have a top, I think top 16, top 15 pick now in the draft, ton of draft 14. capital, 14. Yeah. Ton of draft capital to move up, even though that's not what you would normally do from an analytically based organization. And, you know, the, the Ravens are in a spot to, to take a hold of the AFC North next year, even if it is still the most competitive division um, in the, in the NFL. I'm interested to, to hear what your what you think you're, thoughts are about the Browns future. Obviously the Browns kind of, they have it together. I think now in the front office, which is my big fear and that they uh, also have a good base of players outside of Mayfield, whatever you think of Mayfield. I'm not saying he's not Mm -hmm. good. I'm just saying outside of Mayfield, it's a good team. Yeah. Um, So I I think my, uh, the, the VP of, of R and D at uh, PFF, Eric eager. He, I, I love the way he describes the Browns, which is like, players two through 53 on the Browns would probably stock up against any other roster in the league. The problem is quarterback. And like you just Baker Mayfield ultimately lost some games that they should have won. And I think, I, I think the Browns will rebound again next year. Also, like I think them and the Ravens are, are teams that should have a good year. I think they're too smart not to, you know, um, make smart decisions as free agency in the drafts. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what they're going to do with Baker. And like, I think, I think this was interesting when they re-signed Wyatt Teller to that huge deal. Cause now you got Treader, uh, Betonio and Teller all on big contracts from mm-hmm. the interior. And you signed Jack Conklin to a pretty hefty deal. And I think he tore his Patella tendon. His status is up in the air, but to me, it kind of signals that like they're, they're going to go with a very heavy ground game next year. 
uh, to, to try to just take some of the work off Baker Mayfield's plate. And why I think that's smart is because the way that the league is transitioning now to a too high uh, pre-snap system with all the light boxes that teams are playing to, to take Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley's scheme and implementing it into their own, you need to be able to run the ball. Like the, the Chiefs lost on Sunday to the Bengals because Andy Reid was too stubborn to run the ball against light boxes. Like he was trying to figure out a way to beat it. And I think the Browns teams will probably stack the box against them. But I mean, I think like Baker's thumb, his shoulder, like I think he, he got a lot of injuries. I think you, you let him come into the season healthy. You know, you can run the ball effectively when your offensive line is healthy and performing well. I think they bounce back, but I still think the Ravens are are a better team because they have the answer quarterback. And I, I trust their, I trust their defense a little bit more than the Browns um, because they're a little bit younger. And I think Ravens secondary can, can be good. I think safety position is, is one where I'm, I'm a little bit in flux, but I, it's just, it's so tough to, to predict the AFC North, like we said, and it seems like there's just like a new winner every year and a new favorite every year. All right. Well, great to hear your thoughts on that. I've, I've got other thoughts, but we're going through all these on our own shows as we as we go through. Uh, really appreciate having you on. Is there anything more about the about the metric or about the Ravens' uh, relative offseason look that you'd like to talk about? Um, yeah, like I, I mean, just as for the metric itself, just you know, if anyone's listening, this metric is not something that's um, you know, what's the word? Uh, it's not something that is is stuck like i'm going to be changing it i'm going to be um, messing around with it as we get more information i'm going to be you know adding that into into my into the score and updating it as free agency goes on until you know free agency starts and the draft starts so you know just you know stay in touch with that and and hopefully you know you guys found the metric useful when when the article came out and when um you know it was it was posted on twitter all right. Really good read. And Arjun, tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah. So you can find me um, on Twitter at Arjun Menon 100, A-R-J-U-N-M-E-N-O-N 100. Um, and then you can find me on PFF.com. If you you know go to the news section or the, the NFL section, you'll find some of my articles there as well. Okay. Outstanding guest, Arjun Menon of PFF. Thank you for coming on again. Other people I'm going to t- ask you first, uh, if you have a one, you'd want to do a fixing the Ravens show, hit me up narrow topic. DMS are open on Twitter. Hit me up there. We'll record fairly quickly on a turnaround. Um, we're not looking for fire Greg Roman. Okay. Everybody wants to do that. We've got two people coming on to talk about it that I think will be very nuanced and, 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 and have done a lot of work on the topic, but we're not looking for that specifically. But if you want to talk about how the Ravens could rebuild their defensive line from a combination of drafting and free agency and whether it needs to be a one or a two year plan or this or that, that's the kind of topic we want to want to have eager to hear from you folks. Um, Arjun, thanks so much for coming on. You know, one of the one of my favorite guests time after time, because when we bring you on, we're talking about a new metric and we get to kind of dig into it and ask some nasty questions and whatnot. But I don't really mean that. I, <laughs> I, I love your metrics and, and, uh, and really appreciate having you on and uh, and talking about them. Uh, thanks for coming on again. And we'll talk to you next time right. on Film Study. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.